It's all about that mindset. You need to be able to visualize. You need to be able to internalize that visualization into emotion. Then you need to be able to control that emotion and then act on it. And it's the same as somebody kicking in a door in some operation as it is walking into a pitch meeting for what's going to be your biggest client of the year. You need to be able to believe at an emotional level that what you're seeing in your head is real. Your inner voice has been drowned out by the noise around you, but you've always had a deep desire to make a difference. And now you're ready to step into your greatness and develop the identity you need to build towards your ultimate goal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Making the world a better place by unleashing human potential will help you create your own reality by increasing your self-awareness, cultivating an unstoppable mindset, and finally finding the passion, purpose, and true self so that you can live the life you are always destined to live. Now, welcome your host, a lifelong learner and growth mindset savant, a former architect turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Tibor Nagy. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm super excited for you to listen to today's episode called Cultivating Resilience and Manifesting Your Legacy with my special guest, Damon Diamore, where we talk about career transitions, entrepreneurship, resilience, mindset, visualization, and so much more. But before I introduce today's guest, let me ask you this question. So are you seeking to make a change and have an even bigger impact as a coach, consultant, or thought leader in 2021? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, I would highly recommend you check out my podcast mastery course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, where I'm teaching you step-by-step how to start your authority building podcast as a change maker so that you can scale your impact, influence, and income in 2021. For more information, simply go to mindsethorizon.com forward slash course, and you can find all the details there. Also, as I mentioned in episode 100, we are going to rebrand the Mindset Horizon podcast from March on, and there are going to be more topics on podcasting, marketing, marketing psychology, content marketing, digital marketing, influence, and so forth. So in the future, I will keep serving entrepreneurs, business owners, and thought leaders, build their authority, increase their influence, and grow their business online through content marketing and podcasting. So that is one of the reasons why we are shifting the focus of the show. All right, so my guest today is Damon Diamore, who is a public speaker, executive mentor, and advisor to C-suite corporate executives and select entrepreneurs and the founder of Legacy Mentor. Damon specializes in legacy coaching by developing custom productivity systems for individuals focusing on their professional and personal development. He enables them to accomplish current goals that ultimately will manifest their legacy. Damon has more than 14 years experience working one-on-one with hundreds of the top CEOs, founders, and executives in North America, including high-profile entrepreneurs and Fortune 100 firms such as Walmart, PepsiCo, DirecTV, NASCAR, Subway, and DreamWorks. Damon has spoken all over America and featured in Forbes, USA Today, Entrepreneur Magazine, Fast Company, Investors Business Daily, CEO.com, Yahoo Finance, CEO Blog Nation, appeared on Fox News Primetime, Wharton Business Radio, multiple Sirius XM radio shows, and other leading business publications, podcasts, and media outlets. 
a serial entrepreneur, founder, board member, and advisor to multiple international companies. Damon has founded multiple startups, both raising millions in investment capital and bootstrapping companies from zero to more than $1 million run rate in less than three months. Damon also serves as a mentor and guest lecturer to top 25 MBA programs, acted as spokesperson and host for an American Express and Discovery Channel show promoting entrepreneurship. Prior to his work in startups and venture capital, Damon enjoyed long careers in the media and entertainment sectors, managing large brand and marketing initiatives, and producing some of the highest-rated television programs in America, including Undercover Boss and Apprentice with Donald Trump. If you want to find out more about today's guest and check out the free resources, book recommendations, and detailed show notes, simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast, That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. You can also use the search bar on our website where you can simply type in Damon Diamor to find the episode's show notes page. So without any further ado, please enjoy today's episode with my special guest, the one and only Damon Diamor. Damon, thank you so much for coming on and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. Yeah, I'm super excited. I was excited when I was preparing for this conversation I'm excited to talk about your entrepreneurial journey, mindset, resiliency, and anything that comes up. And um, yeah, but I first wanted to start with really your journey to some extent. And I was curious about you know how you became a legacy coach and uh, how would you define this term if someone is wondering what, what a legacy coach is? Sure. Uh, so legacy coaching is one of two areas that I coach in. The other one is crisis leadership. But uh, I define legacy coaching as enabling an individual to be able to craft the narrative for what their legacy is so that once they're gone, it's consistent. It's the same message that everybody repeats when they hear that person's name or see what that person built. Um, and being able to do that confidently so that you know that whenever it is that whatever you leave behind, that everyone agrees and gets the same intention and value out of it. There's no, um, no, there's no up in the air about, oh, maybe he was this, maybe he was that. Nope. Like that's what this person did. He dedicated his life, his time, his business to empowering X group of people so that they could do, you know, Y type of goals. Empowering is actually something that you have as a narrative, right? So, you know, based on my research, but please just, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. So if I'm not mistaken in one of your interviews, you've said that, you know, you kind of like had this, I wouldn't put the the word purpose in your, in your mouth, so to speak, but this is how I, you know, interpreted it in my mind, so to speak. So when it comes to, let's say, legacy, like how some, something that you've mentioned, like how people will remember you and, and uh, things like that. And I kind of like went through this exercise before uh, a little bit. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, how will I want others to remember me? And uh, I'm just wondering, is empowering others is something that you came up with? Yeah, it is. It's, it's the foundation of all the businesses I've uh, started or been involved with from 2009 onward for the last 11 years. But actually, I got covid earlier this year and it was scary. I'm okay now with a couple of residual side effects, but you know, I'm alone right now. I'm divorced and I just, it's me and my dog. And you start thinking about a lot of things. And I emailed about 20 close pals, both business and personal. 
And I said, hey, I said, if I was to drop dead tomorrow, you know, <laughs> like, like, what would you be talking about uh, at my funeral? And, and if somebody said my name five years from now, uh, what's the first thing that would pop into your head? And overwhelmingly, it was like over 70% of the people said, like, like you love and you love empowering people that either feel that they aren't empowered or don't know that the, their capabilities. So it was heartwarming to realize that, you know, my message is getting out clear, not just from me talking to people, but in the work that they do, every business that I have been involved in, regardless of how uh, profit driven it might have been as a business, there was always a fundamental goal of empowering a group of people in that business, whether it was through venture capital or through uh, incubators and accelerators or through uh, helping individuals invest uh, all type or, or the coaching that I do right now. So yeah, it was, um, it was nice to hear. It was nice to see it all float into my inbox and be on target and not shock me that it was something completely off message. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And I can definitely relate. And I think the listeners as well, because uh, this is something I'm, I'm trying to do with the podcast. And uh, that's why I kind of like, quote unquote, fell in love with this medium because I felt I can empower others with these conversations that I'm having on the podcast. And that was my intention with, with Mindsets Horizon and, and the podcast. So I can definitely, you know, relate and resonate with this thing. And you've said something, for example, you know, crafting the narrative. So what do you mean exactly and how does this, you know, manifest in someone's life, crafting a narrative? How can someone do this? Sure. Um, and I'll just say that over the past year between COVID and, you know, things going on socially and politically and the upcoming elections and here in America, we've, yeah. we've almost gotten this post-factual first world where facts don't matter first, narrative matters first. Whoever controls a narrative in the media, whether it's 140 characters or a meme, is ahead of the curve before people go fact check. So story, your ability to tell us a well-crafted story based on and rooted in real factual data, if somebody checks, I think is the most important skill set somebody can have. And whether it's a large public company executive that I'm working with or a founder, I define that as identifying what's unique about your story, both as an individual and as a business, crystallizing that so that it's completely clear and nobody can challenge what that unique value proposition is, and then giving folks a roadmap on how to go accomplish what matters most. How do you reach the people? Well, first of all, who are the people who could benefit most from your unique treasure, as you call it? Where do they live? Where do they hang out? Where do they work? And then how do you communicate to them through the different channels to empower them to realize that there is a solution out there for the problem that they have? So to me, the narrative journey is everything. I've seen it in form marketing plans, communications plans, thought leadership plans, uh, budgets, fundraising plans, the whole spectrum uh, from A to Z. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. I was just taking notes. So also wanted to mention that don't worry if th there's some silence because I'm taking notes and sometimes I just get back to the mic. <laughs> yeah, because um, silence is something that we want to be. <laughs> that's one topic I talk about in the mind, uh, podcast interview mastery. Yeah, I, I, think it was, I think it was Plato that said contemplation is the highest form of existence. So you're on some higher plane, dude, whenever I hear you not talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and um you know the the storytelling i i think it's really important in in different 
fields and areas and segments, whatever you do. And you've mentioned a couple of things, but you know, uh, one of the first experience for me, for example, crafting my story was when I was working on my, on my first website, right? And uh, it was the Mindset Horizon website, but it was completely different at that time. And I was crafting or working on my about page, basically, right? And I kind of like tried to, you know, draw a timeline of my life of the last three years. And, and I was kind of like trying to come up with a storyline and what I want to tell and, and stuff like that. It was just kind of like intuitive. I used to work as an architect and I was like, you know, this, this is the way I think about it. And this is how I want to, you know, just uh, try to come up with a story. But I'm kind of like curious here if someone wants to kind of like craft a story that they want to tell, um, you know, either for an about page or for fundraising or whatever it is. Now, we, if we think about, you know, entrepreneurs and aspiring thought leaders, coaches, maybe they want to share their story on a podcast, right? Or speaking, whatever it is. Like, how can they, what are some of the ways they can craft this story? How can it be unique? And, and what, what are some of the things that you would say to them? Yeah, so the first thing is uh, what I did when I put up my website for coaching was I looked at a bunch of folks' websites who I respect who weren't coaches but were thought leaders in their individual respective careers and saw how they crafted that narrative in a page or less on their about page. Then I tried to fill in my own information and where, where our two specialties or professions diverged, then there was room to free flow. So that's one. Just take a look at who's done it really well that you respect and try to use that as a template. Um, the second is that I'm a very visual storyteller and a very visual learner. So I use mind maps a lot. Even like I gave a 90. Love them. Yeah, I gave a 90 minute keynote speech um, down in Mexico a couple of years ago to a group of uh, 150 CEOs in the telecom industry from around the world. And um, my outline for that speech was, you know, basically a little bit bigger than an index card, but it was a visual mind map of the three act structure of my story with the beats just kind of, you know, bullet pointed out so that I know where to go. Um, and whether I'm on a podcast, whether I'm speaking, whether I'm in Toastmasters giving a speech, whatever it might be, I, that, that map is burned into my head so that at any point you know where you are and you can kind of free flow around it. But the third part is I would say take some actual real uh, storytelling either classes or work with some folks. I um, on the Outside of my corporate work, I run a mastermind on the side. I divide them into groups of men and women. Right now, I'm launching a women's one in a couple of weeks, but it's all storytelling. It's eight weeks of, of what, what makes your story unique, and then how do you turn that into an actionable marketing plan so that when you get online in 2020, and everybody's online now, how do you mm, – Yeah. Like, like, okay, I'm a mindset coach. I'm a alignment coach. I'm a wellness coach. Okay, now there's 4,000 coaches in your city who have the same websites up. Like, how are you different? And usually it comes down to people don't realize they associate storytelling with just warm, fuzzy, emotional, but it, it needs to be backed by actual facts and data points. And that's what usually sets apart the winners from the losers. When somebody has an emotional pull into your story, whether it's your tagline or your website or something about you, and they go in and, and research, the things they remember are the specifics. It's all about the details of the story that make a story memorable. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And, and what do you mean by facts? Um, you know, experiences or what, what do you mean by that exactly? Yeah, so I, I'll give you an example. When I tell people my bio from growing up and going to college at night and working on Wall Street, if I just said, you know, I was going to college at night as an undergrad, I worked on Wall Street from, you know, 6.30 a.m. until 6 p.m. and went to school at night. 
and did that for a living, people say, oh, I met this guy who worked on Wall Street while they went to college. If, on the other hand, I say, I, I got up at four in the morning, I, I took, went through this whole process to get a job before I was a college graduate, I was trading personally almost $20 billion a day in securities by the time I was on my 22nd birthday. I worked on the 105th floor of the World Trade Center above the clouds and ultimately ran businesses for them internationally. People associate like 20 billion World Trade Center, which now triggers other sense memory associations. Um, if, if I said I was a television producer in the reality space, oh, I, talk, I heard a guy that produced TV. If I said I produced The Apprentice and Undercover Boss, the two biggest business shows in history, and because one of them now has the host as the president of the United States, people remember those data points. Um, and the same thing, wow. same thing, <laughs> yeah, the same thing for personal. Um, if you told me that you were a runner in high school and that's what you loved, you did it all four years, I would say great. If you told me you were the last man on the roster who had to beg as a freshman and you won your state finals and got a scholarship to college, you know, that's, oh my God, this guy's a hustler. He's a worker. He's somewhat dedicated to the task. Like that's, it's, it's all about the details. And when you're talking about a business, it matters even more because people want to hear about the numbers. They want to hear about the growth, the engagement. And we, we call those wow statistics or wow factors when we're building people's pitch decks or building thought leadership profiles. So, you know, tell me what you were first or last in. Tell me literally how big that is because most people can't comprehend $20 billion, even though on Wall Street, on a, on a bill trading desk, that's, you know, 5% of what would be traded throughout the day. Like it's not even real numbers at that point, but to normal people, wow. they say, Oh my God, this guy traded billions of dollars. He was still in college. Tell me more. What was so special about him? And then you have their attention. And once you have their attention, you can craft the narrative uh, based on fact, not just fantasy, but you can craft the narrative to then tell them what's the next data point you want them to remember. I went from wall street to working in entertainment. And the first TV show I produced was, a producer on The Apprentice. It's like, oh my God, how did you make the leap from top of the World Trade Center bond trader to biggest reality show on TV? And then you get to fill in the story because then you have your attention. So um, that's what I mean by data points. And my own personal narrative map that I've developed is a combination of hero's journey, heroine's journey, maps of meaning, belief systems, three-act structure, et cetera. But it's got about 27 data points on it so that at any point, my clients, whether they're going to be on CNBC for their company or they're giving an employee review, they they know that every question they get asked is going to be supported by one of those 27 data points or, or, or more than them. So it's all about having having something concrete to share and not just say, this is what I think. This is what I feel. Well, OK, so th then what? Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's so exciting because uh, obviously because of podcasting also, I kind of like thought a lot about the storytelling aspect of, of different things also with an interview. And actually, I wanted to kind of like ask you about your journey and transitioning because you had some transitions, so to speak, I would say. And I had just one so far. So I've just, I, I, I used to work as an architect. And I, I'm mainly curious about because, you know, from Wall Street to, can we say producer and entrepreneur and then legacy mentor or coach? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mainly curious about the different challenges that you might have encountered along the way. So I don't think it's easy to transition from some place to another and then kind of like start from scratch without, you know, having a massive imposter syndrome along the way. Because when I started with podcasting, I was like, who am I to start a podcast? Like, you know, I used to work as an architect. My identity was kind of like, you know, just I'm an architect from the corporate world, right? 
And so it was, you know, hard to make this shift. And I'm curious about your journey and the shifts, maybe mindset shifts also, and what you've learned along the way. Yeah, I've been fortunate in that I've had a lot of big sweeping changes in my life, personally, professionally, ups and downs. But my identity was always tied very much so to to who I was at the time before that break in my timeline. So, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up where I did and how I did, I I got a job on Wall Street. I fought for a low-level job because they wouldn't give me a real job because I didn't graduate college yet, even though I had more knowledge because I had personally studied and worked part-time for other houses. Um, So I had to to overcome that imposter syndrome, and I did it through, oh, here's my trades. Here's the money I make. Here's the people that now report to me. Like There's data to support why I should be in that same position, but it carries on throughout your life, man. It's like, First, your identity, then your identity goes from, you know, kid in Jersey to, you know, guy on top of the world, 105th floor of the trade center, working for the biggest bond trading firm in the world, running a whole trading desk at 22. And then when that goes away, now you're just some guy who nobody believes could be creative because you're a business guy and now you're in Hollywood. Um, and it, it translates to, you know, your, your one of your parents passes away you're no longer a a son to anybody, you know, your wife leaves and you get divorced. You're no longer a husband. It's like, imagine walking into a a dinner party and somebody says, who are you? What do you do? X, Y, Z. And the more layers that you strip away, you have to really become comfortable with a life of complete, um, you know, high levels of ambiguity of not really knowing what's going to happen next. Um, But that identity once you realize who you really are, once everything's been stripped away, that's where you really find your strength. There's a great quote. I can't remember who said it, but they said, always go too far because that's where you'll find the truth. It might have been Kafka. Um, oh my but, God. But you need to literally burn your boats and you know, like have, have no point of return so that if you go halfway plus one step, it's easier to just keep going, man, than to turn around and go back because it's going to be a longer journey back than it is to wherever you think you, you're going. So I always tell people, you know, like get the will to get at least halfway plus a step and and you will figure that out. So for myself, transitioning from Wall Street into Hollywood at first was a matter of survival. I, I was a 26-year-old kid at that point. After five years on Wall Street, I gained a bunch of weight, had a bunch of unhealthy vices. I was physically, emotionally a, a mess and realized that I was too young to have that be the rest of my life just because I was making a lot of money. So I took the risk of taking an unpaid internship and moving into a smaller apartment and getting rid of my car and like you know really downsizing my life. Um, and then real then you realize one day you're not going to be homeless. You're going to sleep on somebody's couch. You're not going to starve. Somebody will feed you once a day. So if you're not going to be homeless, you're not going to starve. Like what literally, what are you doing with your life? Like what are you doing to to what matters most? So, um, and in Hollywood, I started off on the independent film tract, which didn't have anything to do with Hollywood per se, because I was in New York, but the company I worked for had a massive hit film and Hollywood pulled them in. So I got to be the, one of the guys that went to L.A. to network. And then that built my network into film and then TV. And I transitioned into reality. And then when I got to the reality business, my identity that was perceived by people as, oh, 
you're a Hollywood guy, but you're also a Wall Street guy. So if we, <laughs> if, if we put you on a business show, you might be the only producer on set who could really talk to the chief marketing officer of P&G about like why they're here from a business perspective, forget the creative. So I really early on got put in the room with a bunch of these large Fortune 500 CEOs and C-suite executives. And I was able to back it up because I, you know, I understood business from a Wall Street perspective for years. I made, I took the risk to do that. Same thing, transitioning into coaching. And I had a lot of entrepreneurship in between Hollywood and coaching. I started the venture capital fund, did some other things. Um, but along the way, forget everybody else or your listeners. You need to constantly rewrite your narrative with those data points for yourself. You would need to constantly be telling yourself the story of who you are and believe it so that when you tell it, it sounds convincing. Not that you're, you know, being false to anybody, but you know, there's always some degree of well, you're stretching this a little bit, you know, like this is actually what you're doing, but it's not X, Y, Z, like, you know, but you need to believe it's not fake until you make it. It's more, I deserve the opportunity to do this. Not that you deserve success, but I deserve the opportunity because I've done X, Y, and Z. So I don't know if that answers your question, but you know, a lot of my clients deal with imposter syndrome in different ways and whether they're big corporate CEOs or founders, um, and by the way, men and women deal with it differently because the expectations on them of society based just on archetypes are totally different. Um, they have different stakeholders. But yeah, I always tell people, if you if you can look yourself in the mirror, call it the mirror test, you look yourself in the mirror at the end of the day, you know if you're full of shit, if you worked your hardest or were the most authentic or whatever it might be. And some days, if you're lucky, you are. Most days as an entrepreneur, it's somewhere between like 70 and 90%. And you know, you could always have given a little bit more X, Y, Z, but it's the people that refuse to understand their own identity who are never going to make that journey, man. There's so many people who are architects that you worked with that would love to start a business, go back to school, like go raise dogs on some farm, like anything that might be. And they're not going to because all they see outside of their paycheck and their security while they might not be happy, they see a, a world of dark uncertainty and misery and, you know, crises and challenges. And for whatever it is in your personality, you looked at that and said, yeah, sign me up. I'm going, you know, but at some somewhere in your core, if you look back now, I don't know how many years it's been, but you probably can connect the dots and be like, I didn't realize it at that time, but this is exactly why I knew I was going to succeed and, and be a successful entrepreneur podcast. You know, there's uh, there's things about you that you can't see at the moment that once you look back, you're like, oh, of course, this is the only path. You know, and later on in life, when I was married again and had the opportunity to go run a production company for a very big uh, reality star, uh, I turned it down because I knew that it wasn't my calling anymore. And I said to my wife, I said, look, if you want me to be like I was 20 years ago, overweight, miserable, horrible vices and habits just to make more money, like that's what this is going to look like. But I know myself well enough where... The only logical progression of my life now is taking the building blocks of Wall Street, Hollywood, entrepreneurship, XYZ to do this. And it's not going to look the same, but I'm going to be a healthier, better person for it. And I'm going to be able to help more people, empower more people. And at the end of the day, yeah, who cares if I have a Ferrari or if I have a Ford, if in at the end of the day, people are better than they were before they had worked with me and met me. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. And uh, it's just so great to to listen to the stories. And I was just thinking that I'm grateful that you're here because um, yeah, actually to the point where you were talking about you, you know looking back. For example, I I finished my master 
a master's degree in architectural engineering. And then I started working for a company here in Hungary where um, it was in sales and actually product development in the construction industry. And uh, I was like, I'm not sure if I want to, I want to be involved in sales and stuff. And um, actually today I'm, I'm kind of like grateful that I got involved in sales because what I realized is that I, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, how, how people behave and, and human behavior and how people think and mindset and, and, and sales and uh, marketing and communication is something that I'm passionate about. So um, also with the podcast and overall, so I kind of like can connect the dots and, and, and I see how everything, and my question is, what if, you know, everything was happening for this, for this vision? And uh, I know that you do some visualization, for example, just uh, I said vision and it came to my mind because I do something similar as well to kind of like craft um, what I want to achieve. And maybe you could share this with the listeners, how you do this and why it's important. Yeah. So it's funny. I'm a big fan of positive motivation, but also negative motivation. It's got, it has to do with my personality. So right now on my monitor for my laptop that I'm talking to you on, on the left side is my positive motivation. And it says, you never have time, only intentions, meaning I can't control time, but I can control my intention to how I spend my time. So are you spending your days on what's most important in life? Very happy, mm. positive. The right side of my monitor says, your 10-year-old self would be disappointed in you right now. <laughs> like, like this, is what, <laughs> this is what you did with the life that, 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 that I gave you, you know? So, <laughs> um, so one of the things that I do a lot is, and I'll do this with clients, especially like my larger corporate C-suite clients that are about to make decisions that could affect, you know, their lives, tens, thousands of, of employees' lives, families, I say, Close your eyes, and for 60 seconds, I'm going to set a timer with no distractions, which a minute of silence is a long time. I say, close your eyes and imagine for the next minute what it actually feels like. Forget about the visuals. What does it feel like a year from now if everything goes great and you make this change? And then the buzzer goes off after a minute, and they're smiling, and they open their eyes, and they're all warm and fuzzy, and they say, oh, my God, I've improved X, Y, Z. I say, okay, another minute timer. Imagine that we're having this conversation a year from now and nothing's changed. Close your eyes. Tell me how that feels. And they almost never make it through the whole minute without getting so uncomfortable that they open their eyes because they're squirming. And they're like, my God, that feels like horrible. It's like, yeah, it does feel horrible. So if you're the kind of person that needs a warm, fuzzy carrot in order to get up in the morning and do your job, like focus on the on the first visualization if you're the kind of person that is motivated by fear but in a positive way i'm not saying live in a state of fear that's really unhealthy as a matter of fact the book i'm working on is called what are you running from it's how to turn fear into a positive motivator not a negative one but visual, visualization is really important you need to it's never going to match one to one but i can tell you man having four careers and been at the highs and the lows personal professional and dealt with a whole bunch of stuff there are still moments in my life as I turn 50 next year where in the moment I'll get this, bam, this flash of light in my head. I'll be like, oh, my God, this is what I wanted. Like I wanted to be able to spend my days having a coaching company where I could work with some $300 billion market cap CEO and also pro bono help some college student who's down in Compton at risk. Like, like, And every time I would get down, it's like, what are you doing, dude? You're living your dream. Like, you've manifested this. You've made it work. And all the visuals all the visuals don't match up. It might not be living where I want or married to who I thought I would be or whatever. But the ones that matter 
the ones that are, how do you spend your days right now? That they always match up. Like the, the future that you want is actually yours. I actually posted on my Instagram account today um, for work. I do quotes every day. I don't know if you've seen them, but today's was literally the same thing. And I said that there's no frontier between what a man wants and what he is, which is a quote by Camus. And I supported it with a quote from Ayn Rand, my favorite book, Atlas Shrugged, that said, the world you desire can be one. It exists. It's real. And it's possible. It's yours. You need to go out in life and take a risk. And it's like, there's nothing standing between the world that you envision and actually living in it, except what are you prepared to do? That's 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 pretty amazing. I mean, I I have a morning routine where, and I'm curious about uh, about how you do the visualization because what I do is I I first put down the thing, and I I usually have some visions in mind, like you know, um, one year from now, and I had some visualizations with LA actually, <laughs> and you know, and and it's interesting because when you have these, we can call them goals or whatever. I kind of like started connecting with more and more people from LA because, you know, I, my mind is influenced by my visions and the things that I put down in my journal, for example, and I start visualizing them while, while I meditate, actually. So I kind of like meditate and I just envision some of these things that I put down in the journal. So that's my process. And I don't know how you do it. Uh, maybe you could share. Yeah, definitely. So I have two, two processes. I literally create vision boards. I have a Pinterest account, but it's private, so only I can see oh, wow. it. And whenever I have something, a place that I would want to travel, um, you know, a hobby that, that, that is important to me, um, whatever those things are, I grab that image, I put it in there. And when I have time that I carve out to think about, okay, like, like where do I want to make, make trade-offs in my schedule and budget so that I can go this year? What's most important to me to see and experience, like a real experience? I'll open that folder and I will like literally fall into and seep into those photos. I might look at them for five minutes or for 30 minutes. Um, so that's one thing is I actually have vision boards where I, I grab visuals that I can then associate emotions with. And the second way is that a few years ago, I, I go to the desert every Christmas and I review my year and plan my next one and do all my journaling um, wow. and goal setting. So, so I have a detailed blog post about it on my site about the process. But one of the things I do is I write out my affirmations for the year. And I used to I used to write them out and just look at them every day before I meditated. And now what I do, because a friend gave me this great tip, is I record them into my phone, into an audio file. What is up, Mindset Nation? I hope you guys are enjoying today's episode. And we're going to get back to this conversation very soon after thanking to our sponsors. Hey, my friend, I'm super excited to announce that my podcast mastery course is now available. You can check out the course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. As a mission and impact driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary and change maker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, and you're ready to start your authority building podcast and take your impact, influence, and income to the next level, I would highly recommend checking out my Podcast Mastery online course at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. In this course, I'm teaching you step-by-step -step how to start your own epic podcast from scratch. 
There are four in-depth modules available in this course and additional bonus materials. So in module one called Podcast Foundations Mastery, you will learn about the foundations that are indispensable to launch a successful podcast. In module two called Podcast Tech Mastery, you will learn about the technical side of podcasting. In module three called Podcast Creation Mastery, you will learn about everything that you need to create in order to be able to launch your podcast. In module four called Podcast Launch Mastery, you will learn how to launch your podcast the right way. And last but not least, in the bonus section, you will find additional checklists, email templates, workflow templates, and sample documents that will help you design and launch your podcast like a pro. You can check out the course details at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. The world is waiting to hear your message, my friend, so let's stop hiding in plain sight and start sharing your truth. Check out the course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course right now. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's get back to today's Mindset Transforming Conversation. And then every day after my meditation, when I'm totally clear-minded, I hit play and I'm I'm not just reading them, I'm hearing my own voice tell me, these are the things that you are going to do. This is the joy that you will experience. This is the alignment that you will have. This is the fulfillment. This is the effect on people that you will have. And even more than visual, it's very empowering hearing your own voice tell you that and reinforce it day after day after day. And sometimes I would go into a really big meeting that I was nervous about and I'd take five minutes beforehand. I'd sit in my car and I would just play that thing on a loop with my eyes closed. And it's like, yeah, of course you know who you are. Now go tell these people who you are and why you're important. And, and, and how you're going to how you're going to improve their lives? Yeah, man, the mental game is so the mental game is so big. I, I used to think it was just all foofy stuff, you know. But uh, the more and more people that I talk to that are very, very, very high performers, I'm fortunate to have a lot of relationships in the special operations community here in the U.S. And the guys that operate at the highest levels that I'm that I'm honored to be able to hang out with. They're all super zened out meditators and like and visualization people because what you realize is that the stories that you hear in the news about what some SEAL team or Delta team did, people think they live that life 24-7. They're like action heroes where in reality, 99% of the time, they're training, lifting weights or sitting around like you know, waiting and they're all big readers of you know poetry and classic literature and philosophy. And it's all about that mindset. You need to be able to visualize. You need to be able to internalize that visualization into emotion. Then you need to be able to control that emotion and then act on it. And it's the same as somebody kicking in a door uh, in some operation as it is walking into a pitch meeting for what's going to be your biggest client of the year. You need to be able to believe at an emotional level that what you're seeing in your head is real. That's pretty amazing, and 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 uh, I couldn't agree more because obviously, uh, you know, I had some times, um, I would say, seasons where I kind of like skipped meditation or these things, and I felt anxious. Sometimes I meditate before the podcast, before the recording, because I kind of like, you know, get relaxed after the meditation. I do some jumping and push-ups so that I get into a different state. But in the morning, I felt I felt this was really like like. Uh, it was different if I did something like meditation or visualization, and if I didn't. Like there, there was a difference in 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 just clarity. For example, what I want to look at in the future, like kind of like a goal or vision or whatever. 
I'm wondering if you had some experience with clients who were struggling with visualization because it might be completely new to someone, like, you know, visualize or come up with a vision or something. Yeah, it's hard for people who aren't used to either controlling their thoughts or having some control in the process to visualize. So I literally start out with a vision board. Some people I say, you know, mm, this yeah. weekend, go to a newsstand, go to a grocery store, go somewhere with a bunch of magazines for whatever it is that you're, that you're wanting. You're wanting a new house. You're wanting a new car. You're wanting to be more fit, whatever it might be. Go buy five or six magazines, get a pair of scissors and a notebook and just start putting pictures in there, like like literally something that you can visualize because it's staring you in the face. And then, so that's the first step is to get some sort of imagery, whether it's on your computer and clips or whatever it might be, Evernote, um, saving images. And the second is once you have some body of visuals is then closing your eyes and imagining what it feels like to be in that place, have that uh, have that um, thing happen to you, have that result, that positive result. And then, for each one, I would have them write down a word. And it's like, what is the word or well, the one word of emotion that you associate with this visual? And they start to build almost like a flashcards if you were a kid doing your, you know, arithmetic. It's like, you know, oh, uh, relationships. This is the kind of person that I want to meet that will make me fulfilled and I could be the best partner too because I, I, I know what they look like and I know the emotion that associates with that. Oh. Like I'm a, I love to hunt, but I don't live in a good hunting area in LA. I'm only able to go usually once a year back east. Um, but I have so many activities I do throughout the year that support that hunting trip that I'm constantly in an emotional sense memory visualizing what it means to slog your way five miles through the woods with a 40-pound pack or you know drag a deer back or sit there and freeze for hours in the dark and before, you know, like – you need to you need to fully be able to sink into that. So it's find visuals, associate emotions with that, name those emotions, and then you have this system that you can you know take five minutes throughout the day, turn off your phone, your email, whatever it might be, the same as you would meditate before a podcast, and think about oh today I'm going to think about my 2021 vacation. Where do I want to go? Oh, I want to go see Paris for the first time. Great. Here's a whole bunch of images and what they mean to me. One is romance. One is adventure. One is, you know, classical literary, blah, 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 whatever. One's maybe French cinema, cinema or museums. Um, so that's what it is without kind of babbling. But yeah, I mean, have images, have emotions that you associate with those, label them so that there's an actual concrete binary word that goes with that. And then, and then you're off and running. And then the more that you do that, you'll find yourself on your own at a traffic light in the car on a conference call that's boring, whatever it is, when your mind drifts off, you'll be like, oh man, that was pleasant for a second. I didn't even realize I was thinking about going on a ski trip in the Alps. Like, you know, but, but now you know, like what makes you happy if you were to take a vacation tomorrow, you would go <laughs> on a ski trip to the Alps because this is how you feel, right? So um, like, that's the benefit of visualization. Like it, it's like everything. People want to turn, they want to sign up for some webinar, read some book, get some plan or all of a sudden they're going to have time management skills. Bullshit. You have to do the work. Like, you know, it's baby steps and it's compound effects. But once you start and you keep building on that, there's always a deflection point where all of a sudden it clicks and you're like, ah, it's like meditating. When I first started meditating, I would start falling asleep for like the first two weeks. And (laughs) my friend friend was like, sleep's not the point of it to put you to sleep, but that's going to happen because you haven't been this relaxed in a while, but just stay with it and stay focused. And somewhere in the second or third week, the buzzer goes off after 12 minutes and you're, you're still in it. You're like, holy shit, 
like I did it. It's like hitting the perfect golf ball like once every thousand swings or whatever. You're like, oh my God, I did it. Like now I know it's possible. Same thing with visualization. You will get to a point where you will be doing mundane tasks and you will have emotional responses to images in your head that are, you know, emotional rewards for what you see in your mind as goal-driven events, you know, a vacation, a car, a home, having having a family, whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Thanks for sharing all these uh, great insights and the process. But you've mentioned something which is a, a BAM. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, during meditation. It's kind of like an idea that you or aha moment that you have during meditation or what? what's that BAM? So the BAM, the, the BAM for me in meditation was not anticipating the bell or the buzzer at 12 minutes and being like, mm-hmm. okay, I think I'm relaxed. Why do I not feel relaxed? Like how how much longer do I have in this? And so I do a lot of breath work now because after I had COVID, I, I needed to do breath work. Um, and I, I fell into loving the breath work. And now the buzzer always goes off and I'm shocked. I'm like, oh my God, that was 10 minutes, but that was 15 minutes. Like, um, I, like that was the... Those are the aha moments or the bam moments. It's good. To, you could constantly surprise yourself. Like, you know, there's no end game. Like, you really, I watched that Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix for ESPN. And there was a moment where he was unapologetic about doing something wrong because it was what they needed to do to win. And he started crying and asked them to stop taping. And he was, this is Michael Jordan, the greatest guy to ever play the game. And he basically said, this is the way it has to be if you want to be a winner. And if you're not okay with that, that's on you. I'm not going to apologize for being a winner. And But realize that he destroyed these personal relationships along the way to do X, Y, Z. And that's why he was crying. But he's still like, it's that aha moment. It's like, yeah, there's only one greatest of all time. And this is what you need to do in order to be that guy or gal. So. You know, those, I'm planning to watch watch that actually. Yeah, it's great. I'm not even a basketball fan. I'm more of a college football fan. But watching anybody perform at their highest level, dude, it's so inspiring. Like, I could have been watching a documentary about a beekeeper. I don't know nothing about beekeeping. At some point, I'm like, oh my god, this dude has mastered the art of beekeeping, and it's fascinating. It's like this. There's a great documentary called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. If you ever saw it. And it's about the most prominent sushi chef in the world who's now probably in his 80s. But he's got guys that work for him whose only job is to make rice for like 17 years. These dudes do the same task over and over and over and over. And it's all about you're always a little bit away from perfection. It's like, you know, it's all about the journey. It's all about the task. And you watch these people that are masters of the universe. And it's incredible. It's like walking in and seeing a great speaker, hearing a great podcast, and just I've pulled over at times when I'm driving and just had to focus on what somebody was saying because it was so profound and so so aligned with what was going on in my life at the time. Wow, that's so so great to hear. And I'm I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this concept. So the tagline of the podcast is unleashing human potential. And basically, the reason why I started other podcasts is I wanted to become even better. I mean, how can I, you know, just become a better podcaster? And I wanted to focus on that. I'm a huge fan of this. Like, like, you know, what, what, what does it take to, to reach our, I wouldn't say quote unquote, full potential and then, and become quote unquote, again, work class in something or at something. Cause, uh, I'm just, um, yeah, I think that's something I, I really like. You realize watching Jordan, he was the best. He won multiple championships. He was still in there at midnight after a game, 
shooting hundreds of free throws. Like, like they're, 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 even when you're the best, there's no end to the journey. It's like Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey. A lot of people hear the the words Hero's Journey, and because they associate it with a movie or a book like the Bible or the Matrix or Star Wars or whatever, they think there's an end where it's like, oh, this is the end. But no, you're not dead. The world didn't just blow up after you accomplished this thing. Like there's a new journey to go on. And, and um, Jordan Peterson refers to it as the infinite game. And it's like your blessing is that you get to play this over and over. So even when you're in your low points, you're in your low points of the next hero's journey that you're on, which is a subset of your overall one in your life. So, yeah, you can aspire to be the best at something. And once you're there... How do you get even better? Like, how do you keep developing? Like, like the the, the, wow. best, the best thing you can do is 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 improve yourself. It's like this this idea of killing your clone. If you cloned yourself today and you yeah. woke up, and you woke up, <laughs> you woke up tomorrow, would you be able to kill your clone from yesterday? Like, are you stronger? Are you faster? A lot of my military friends are trained. They're like, yeah, like you need to wake up thinking that you are better, faster, more determined, more resilient than you are yesterday because you can't slip backwards. Yeah, what a great analogy. I love that. I've never heard it before, but it's an awesome stuff. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, as you were talking about this, I, I was thinking about your journey and, uh, you know, there are ups and downs and, and y- y- some of the things that you or one of the things that you focus on is uh, the resilient mindset and the resiliency. And I was thinking, you know, what would you tell someone who might be facing challenges as, a, let's say, aspiring entrepreneur? Uh, because uh, what came to my mind is, for example, you know, because you were talking about becoming world class and best and even better, and and you know, and uh, uh, the thing, the fact that what keeps someone uh, moving forward, right? So after reaching a point, either in business or um, in performance or whatever it is, like you know, what's the motivation? What keeps someone going uh, forward? Or either if they face some adversity or challenges or downs uh, throughout the entrepreneurial journey, like what would you tell them? Like how to, you know, cultivate this resilient mindset? So a couple of things. There's my definition of resilience, which differs for a lot of a lot of people, and then there is literally what you just mentioned about like keeping motivated. Um, Mm. you can teach certain things, but one of the most important characteristics that successful people in my mind, especially entrepreneurs need to have is indignation. They need to be indignant to the fact when people tell them you've tried over and over, you're failing, go do something different. They need to have a belief in themselves that is completely irrational. There's a great venture capitalist back in the day, Don Valentine. And he said, nobody ever accused him of underestimating himself. He was so, so sure that he was going to be right and he was going to be fulfilled that, I mean, at one point when I was raising money for my venture capital fund, I had over 300 people told me no. And I had friends on Wall Street that were like, dude, your pitch is wrong. The business doesn't make any sense. I'm like, no, it's a very different business model. I don't get it. And I kept that list to today and I show people and it's like, oh, my 318th call, I raised my first money. And then 322nd call, like you need to be, well, yeah. You need to be indignant about the fact that people tell you that you need to give up. And my mentor actually uh, told me the story that when he was – he had tried to start three or four businesses. He dropped out of college like I did when I was on Wall Street. And um, he kept failing. And his family was like, yo, go get a job. We love you. Like you, This entrepreneur thing is not for you. And they're not telling you that because they're haters. They're telling you that because they see you in pain and they love you and they just don't want to see you, you know, starving. But the reality yeah. is 
that now they all live in houses that he bought them. They all have jobs they don't show up for because he hires them to do whatever, you know. Um, but but that indignation is the key factor, like always believing that you are worthy of the opportunity, not worthy of the result, not that you deserve success, but you're worthy of the opportunity to, to play that game every day. And I always ask people, like, what's your idea of resilience if I say the word? And they always say, surviving something horrible or, you know, having something bad happen and coming out the other end. It's like, okay, well, if I peel back that just one layer, how do you come out the other end? Are you some wounded animal? Are you stronger and more <laughs> like, like who's the you that comes out after and they're like, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. So I always say my definition of resilience is being a pragmatic optimist. So pragmatic meaning based on real time data and events in the real world, an optimist meaning I'm going to, I'm going to think that things are going to be better than they were yesterday. But, but those two words together in my mind mean I wake up every day as an optimist thinking things are going to go horribly wrong. I'm going to have massive challenges. My business might explode. My marriage might fall apart. I might get sick. Somebody I love might die. I might wake up on a Tuesday morning and boom, 9-11 happens in my old building, et cetera. Um, but I know in my core, based on the fact of data points that I can look back on my life on personally, professionally, that I'm going to survive. I'm going to th- uh, survive and thrive. I'm a survivor and I know I'll be okay. And if you know you're going to be okay from that moment on, you need to stop. You're, you're able to stop thinking about all the negative consequences because like I said, you're not going to be homeless. You're not going to starve to death. Like, you know, you're going to figure a way to, to keep working every day. So they need to build that result, the resilient mindset that things are going to go wrong, but they're going to be okay. And once they know they're going to be okay, they can focus on moving forward. And when they focus on moving forward, any uh, negative emotion or roadblocks that come in their way, they need to be indignant about the fact to be like, no, I deserve to be here as much as anybody else. I don't care where they're from, what their family name is, how much money they have, what school they went to, what experience they had. I mean, throughout my whole life, I went to Wall Street. They said, you're a college kid. You don't have any experience. And I was like, boom, boom, boom. This is what I've been doing. Got the job on the bottom, proved myself. Go to get a job in Hollywood. They said, we can't give you a job. We have unpaid internships. You never, you're not a creative person. It's like, I will show you. Boom, boom, boom. I did. Boom, producer. You know, I wanted to start a venture capital fund. Well, you never worked in, you know, private equity. You never worked for an investment bank. You really can't do it. Boom, boom, boom. Here's my SEC registration for my fund. Like, there needs to be a level of anger at, 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 at people for thinking that you're not worthy of it for whatever reason, even if it's out of love. Um, and you need to couple that with a realistic view of the world and be like, yo, you can count on things going horribly wrong. That's always going to happen. Um, you know, hopefully there's some good stuff in between. But you're going to be better capable of dealing with it than the other person. And I've seen it, man. I've seen it in big companies that I work with where people before a crisis – Everybody said, that guy's a leader. That gal's a leader. And then COVID happens and they're completely falling apart in front of people because they've never been tested before. And you see what really defines resilience. Who are the people that get themselves together and convince everybody else that it is going to be okay because they're in charge and they have a plan and they tell a story as to how it is going to be okay and how you as an employee, investor, customer, stakeholder are going to also be okay because you're on the same story arc with them and it's supported by data. This is what we're doing. We might have furloughed people. We might have done this. We might have cut out this business line, whatever it is, but we're surviving so that we can go forward. So long answer to your no. question. 
But um, I don't just view resilience as a one-time event. Resilience is a lifestyle. You need to wake up with a resilient mindset every day. And when I talk to people, you know, when I got sick this year, it was brutal. Um, and business took a big dip in the beginning because everybody was, wasn't sure what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. nobody ever asked me how I was doing. All my friends would call me and be like, I'm freaking out. I need help. You're the resilience guy. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. And I'd give, I'd give advice. I'd talk to them, give them some sort of quote therapy. Um, and one day I said to somebody, I'm like, nobody ever asked me how I'm doing. And he was like, why would they? Like, you're tough as nails. You've been through all this other stuff. Like, of course you're going to be okay. And it's like, yeah, but when you're living <laughs> in the moment, sometimes you told things are going to be okay. Like, we're all still little boys and girls. You want somebody to be like, yo, you're going to be fine. But, so um, yeah. what got me through that point was looking literally at my notebook and being like, this is every time your world's falling apart in your life. You know, and this is every time you hit you hit a new high, you survive and hit a new high. You're gonna be okay. A lot of ambiguity, a lot of uncertainty. You can walk out the door, somebody can cough on you, you could die, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? And in the beginning of COVID, people were crazy, you know, toilet paper off the shelves and whatever. You realize that you've been through some horrible shit before and that you've survived and you've managed not to just slink through the world as a wounded bird who went through something horrible, but you've been back on top many times. And that's because you have a resilient mindset. You're a realist, a pragmatic optimist, and you, you understand your story. If somebody said, well, why would you survive this versus the guy next door? It's like, really? Because this is what I've survived in the past and gone on to execute. Bam, 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 data, 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 data. And you just hammer head with it you know yeah absolutely and and you've mentioned belief a couple of times and uh i think that's a key word there because and and you've mentioned some you know experiences along the way uh, which experiences kind of like shape belief systems and uh there, there's something i i usually talk about but it's mainly related to confidence for example the you know the the belief the ultimate belief in your ability to figure stuff out along the way that kind of like comes from you know, exposing yourself to different things and going through different things and, and having having these experiences. So that's the the belief that you kind of like develop over these, or we can call it mindset maybe, I don't know. Uh, but that's what you develop over time, having gone through these experiences, so to speak. So I really like that. Yeah, I remember I was six years old and I was afraid to go in the deep end of the pool because um, I didn't really know how to swim. Um, and my buddy was six and he was a swimmer already. And one day he got so frustrated with me, he grabbed me and he pushed me underwater and he held me down and pushed me all the way to the bottom of the pool until I touched the bottom of the pool and then came up and gasping for air. But he was like, are you dead? And I was like, no, he's like, see, like, you're going to be fine no matter what. So like, get over it already. So like, like, (laughs) that's, but you go through that through different stages of life, professionally, personally, where you get, I remember I got a big meeting when I had a consulting company in the internet gaming space and uh, for a big toy maker, one of the top three. And the CMO, chief marketing officer said, come in and talk to me. I heard about what you're doing. I walk in there expecting to have a conversation like I'm having with you right now. And there's a room full of 20 people from marketing fire. Like, and they were like, oh, Dave's going to give a presentation today. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm giving a presentation. <laughs> like, how do you sandbag people like this? Um but it's the same as I felt. I had a flashback in that moment 20 years later from the, when my, my first time on Wall Street when I was an assistant and my boss went to the bathroom and he said, don't touch anything, okay? I said, great. <laughs> He's in the bathroom 
and somebody yells at me to do something, I hit a button on the keyboard, I buy something instead of sell something, I'm losing money in the minute, everybody's going crazy, and people are screaming at me, and I heard nobody except my own voice say, what are you doing here? You're a college kid. Like, you should be in college right now. Like, why are you here? And then, <laughs> and then it was like, yo, you want to have that identity? You want your friends to all be like, yo, Damon's a baller on Wall Street? Like, you want you want to get to the point where you have all the things that you actually have as goals? Like, you, you got here, man. Like, this is it. Do it. And I did. And I figured it out. So I had that flashback and I went in and I crushed the meeting with a toy company. But it's like, it, it's, 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 all, <laughs> it's all that belief yourself because at some point 20 years before that my biggest fear in life was drowning irrationally because i'd seen jaws or whatever and my friends just like well i'm just gonna hold you down at the bottom of the pool until you can't breathe anymore and you're gonna realize you're gonna be okay so uh not you know it's, it's different but um jordan peterson had a great uh he's in a book called maps of meaning and he did a great 30-hour masters um in psychology class on youtube the whole thing's free and it's all about belief systems across different cultures and myths but the most important thing is how your consciousness changes it's not just about having a notebook or a mantra when you meditate or you know some wow stat everybody's like oh he hit a billion listeners whatever boom boom boom. it's about going through your journey and literally transforming your consciousness and transforming your beliefs in how the world works how do you perceive things what do you expect what should other people expect of you so i'm a huge fan of studying belief systems and being really honest with yourself about what it is. I have clients that grew up very religious in one area who see the world slightly different and they feel like traitors, traitors to the heritage. But it's like, hey, you know, you're living in 2020. Like the, the rules that you were brought up to live by were written 2000 years ago. Yes, a bunch of them like golden rule stuff about values and being good to people are still applicable. But maybe the way that somebody lived their life living in a desert you know, isn't applicable to you living in Hungary right now. So it's, it's all yeah. about your belief systems and like what you consider to be aligned with your values. Like all my clients in the very beginning have to give me a, a, a visual map of like a word tree of their personal professional values. And then I make them pick just one of each that if your employees, if your customers, if your husband or wife, if your kids said, what do you think of when you think of mommy, daddy, your boss, this product, whatever, like which value do you want to come through? And like, that's got to be embedded in everything that you do. And one of the best parts of my job is when I get an email from a client and it's like a, a story from the press or a review or some feedback from their board. And my client didn't have to say it, but they're feeding them their values back and their praise. And it's like, yeah, because all the work we've done, one of those 22 data points was that this story is supported by this value system. So yeah, man, like, what do you believe in and how are you going to show the world that that's, that's what Tibor believes in? Yeah, that's uh, so exciting. I love uh, belief systems also. And um, I can tell that, for example, I was living in uh, Germany and Austria as well, you know, within Europe. So I didn't live actually outside Europe uh, yet. But uh, the experience of living in Germany and Austria changed uh, some of my perceptions around different possibilities. So that's definitely something that helped me, I think, get to the point where I am today. Because uh, in Hungary, I, I would say my mindset was a little bit limited or my perspective and exposing myself to different experiences helped me change change how are you things. And I'm kind of like on this journey, right? So it's, it's, it's always, uh, I think we can 
work on, I think you've mentioned consciousness or you've used the word consciousness. And so we can um, just keep working on shifting consciousness. Just because you have a new experience doesn't mean that you're, you're wedded to that forever. You could always go back to Europe. Like when I left New Jersey to go to California, I had friends that lived there their whole lives that said, you think it's going to be better? The grass is going to be greener? I said, look, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. Just, it doesn't mean I can't come back, but you need to have the experience to see what is possible outside of your current world, whether that means going to a conference halfway around the world and visiting a different country for the first time, whether it means taking a class or going back to school or maybe getting up and moving like you did outside of Europe. You need to have those experiences because that's what's going to shape everything. Your value system, your belief system is going to shape your story. It's going to shape... Now, I had a friend, he, he passed away, but... He grew up in Brooklyn, a very hardcore Italian neighborhood. And one time I took him on the weekend, him and his girlfriend went with me and my girlfriend to Vermont, which is very mountainous and, you know, gorgeous uh, mountains. And at one point he pulled me aside. He was like, you know, I've never been off the island of Manhattan before. Like I've never been outside of Brooklyn. I've never seen mountains that tall. And to me, I was like, you're 30 years old. What do you mean you've never seen a mountain? Like that seems crazy to me. But it immediately put into his mind the whole drive back for those five hours. He told me later, like, yeah, like maybe I, whether it's vacationing or second home or like maybe I want to be a part of nature. Like he's always been a city guy and didn't think that was a negative. But not not thinking something is negative doesn't mean there aren't just more positives out there. So um, same thing with your business. It's the same thing when you're sitting down and saying, wow, I'm about to quit my job as an architect and take this crazy journey. Like I need to be confident in myself. But, you know, what am I visualizing that's going to give me an emotional high or make this rewarding at the end? It's all the things we've talked about. They're like spokes on a wheel to the same concept, dude. It's, it's, all, it's all connected, everything we talked about for the last hour. Yeah, I, I'm so happy for that, actually. That's, that's really great. And, uh, yeah, I want to be respectful of your time. Great topics. I wanted to ask you about your book that you're kind of like working on because I, I, I usually ask my guests about book recommendations. I think you've mentioned one and I wanted to hear more about your book and then also where can people find you and learn more about you and connect with you? Sure. Well, my book um, I'm actively working on now because I've got more time during this year with the lockdowns, um, but it's it's called What Are You Running From? And it's basically the story of some of the most successful people I've met in different parts of business and life and how they had horrible circumstances and they were living in fear, whether it was personal or professional and managed to turn that into a positive motivator. Um, so how do, how do, how do you do that? How do you figure out what your greatest strength is that you think is your greatest liability? And then how do you create a map forward? And it's also telling my story interweave with them. But from a book, from a book standpoint, I actually have a blog post called, um, my top five personal development books ever. And I can tell you the titles. Um, I'm a big Stephen Pressfield fan. So Turning Pro and Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit are both two of my favorite books. You know, one is about how to think of yourself as a professional, not an amateur, and how to actually make those trade-offs to do the work and, and feel good about it. Um, the second is for aspiring writers, whether they're bloggers or authors or even public speakers, realizing that there is so much going on in the world right now in content that nobody want, nobody wants to read your thing or listen to your podcast as it is. Like, how do you convince them? And what do you need to do in order to create things that really matter? Um, I'm a big fan of Essentialism by Greg McCowan. I work on, on that with all my clients, which is basically the wow. philosophy of trade-offs that 
if something isn't worth gaining, if you aren't making a trade-off in exchange for it. So how do you create filters in your life for what you're going to make trade-offs on? And that if you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. That might be your customers. It might be your family. It might be, you know, whatever. But you need to gain control of prioritizing your time. Um, and the last one is actually, well, the last two are uh, warm, fuzzy. One's a meditation book called Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Suzuki. And uh, he's one of the first guys to write this stuff down you know, decades ago about it's, it's, it's great for people getting into it because you realize there's no wrong way to meditate. There's no specific way to sit. There's no specific way to breathe. You know, it's all about getting your brain to a point where as if you were an infant where everything just kind of passes through it. So I love that book. And the last one, which I, I give to all my students um, when I teach uh, as a graduation gift is Letters to a Young Poet by Rilke. And it's basically a young poet wrote uh, Rainer Rilke a letter saying that he was an aspiring young poet. Did he have any life advice? And they kept going back and forth and they exchanged this book. Uh, they just put these letters into a book. And it's basically the old wise man informing the young student who was actually along the way also informing the old wise man. So, uh, wow. yeah, I can send you a link wow. if you want to post it with it. But it's on my, it's on my blog. It's uh, if they go on the blog and they just search for top five personal development books. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Thanks for sharing. I've seen you put um, maybe weekly uh, book lists on your on your blog or yeah, something like once that. Once in a while, there's a book on there. Usually, they're shorter reads, so they're usually like five to ten minute blog post reads or short videos on YouTube or podcast snippets. I try to give people um, anything I'm working on with personal development with my clients that's relative that I share with them. I put into this weekly newsletter um and there's not a gazillion people on it but there's enough that i can tell people you know 80 percent of people open it every week and look at it so yeah that's cool that's cool because yeah. during the week when i read something hear something i'll be like oh that should go in the newsletter and every once in a while i'll get an email from a brand new person that said oh i saw somebody posted on on linkedin or facebook and i love this and you know you don't know me but this is how this article impacted me and it's, it's good man it's like you're, you're spreading the love you're you're empowering people you're you're waking people to different you know like i'll put wall street um guys in there that that talk about really crazy stuff on the personal side and some of these entrepreneurs who were like in a yoga business would never think of reading something a venture capitalist wrote but that's how you learn you know you expose yourself to different different areas and modes of thinking and you realize there's commonalities between all of them yeah yeah absolutely i love that and uh what's the best way to connect with you um and learn more about you yes yeah, so the best way is my website is legacymentor.co um dot co and there's a contact form on there but also i'm a huge linkedin fan so i always tell people just tell me how you found me because i got a lot of contacts on there and i try not to just accept random spam so on linkedin just send a note with the connection request that says hey i heard you on tibor's podcast and I'm on LinkedIn every day, you know, both for sales, for, for business, and also just like consuming content from the people I follow who are really pushing out good content, not just like the 99th blog on, you know, <laughs> going viral or some shit like, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, the links are going to be in the show notes and people can check out at mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. So all the links and uh, book recommendations, people can find it there. And my last question is basically, you know, I used to have a, a, a final question, which was what is your legacy that you want to leave 
Um, sometimes I ask, what is your future vision? What are you up to in the future? You kind of like talked about the book, for example. What are some of your excitements for the future? And maybe you could tell us a little about your legacy. Yeah. So I, my goal now is that that I got some people in my life to to tell me what my legacy is, and they were pretty much on target. Is to make that a bigger number and more and clearer, and have more data to support it. So I I made a commitment to myself two years ago when my business started trending to really, really large corporate C-suite executives with, you know, uh, big, public, mm-hmm. big public companies, lots of impact. I'll still work with startup people from time to time, but um, because I respect their time and their labor so much, I was like, yo, you need to be a professional about this. Like Stephen Pressfield, it needs to be a curriculum. It needs to be supported by data and research. So I started reading and consuming content and not just reading and consuming, but translating it into, you know, journal journals or posts about how it relates to my business. So I'm big on continuing educational learning. So the, the vision that I see and it's, it's falling in line is having my, my time spent into three different blocks. I want to spend one third of the time working with clients, a, a select number of people. Right now I work with four to six a year. I hope to get that down to three or four ultimately. Um, so client mm-hmm. work on one side. The other side or the second tier is learning, whether it's reading, you know, consuming uh, content, taking courses, whatever that might be, and translating those learnings into actionable work for my clients. And the third part is creating content on my own. Like I really want to create a podcast based on the book. Um, I, I interviewed 300 and something CEOs for Undercover Boss. I had a show on Discovery Channel online yeah. that I was a host of. I love interviewing. So I want my time to be split into one third coaching, one third learning, and one third sharing. Because one of the things I'm doing with this mastermind is helping a lot of people, a lot of people that are much lower on the corporate ladder or, or founders that can't afford the, the, the big coaching. So if I could help 50 people a year in a mastermind, but I could only still help, help three to four corporate executives, I want to be able to have 50,000 people download an episode of my podcast with Tibor and learn about mindset XYZ. So a third teaching, a third learning, a third sharing and creating like one to many type content streams. Yeah, I love that. I love that, man. And uh, pretty exciting. And uh, I'm excited for you. Thank you so much for uh, being on the show and sharing, uh, you know, all these great insights connected to mindset and your journey. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, take care. Thank you. This was great. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Mindset Horizon podcast. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, be sure to head to our website, MindsetHorizon.com, where you'll also have the ability to join the Mindset Nation community for more insight and empowerment to help you reach your full potential. That's all available exclusively on MindsetHorizon.com.